Now, who is the book of Ephesians written to? The church in Ephesus. Were these people wondering how to get saved? We know they weren't wondering how to get saved because the church, it was written to the church in Ephesus. In other words, they were already saved. And Paul was writing back to them and expanding their understanding so they could have a grasp on what it is that took place in their life and have, a, have further theological, biblical understanding of what took place in their life as well as what they were going to be future dependent on. You hath he quickened. Person next to you, look at them and say, you were dead. Yeah, hopefully you're still not. Although there may be, according to the scripture. How are we dead? We were dead, the Bible says, in trespasses and sins. A lot of people are, quote, unquote, living the life, they think. Going after the world, doing what it is. The Bible says that that form of life is death. Sin is death. He said that's what we were. Before Jesus came into our life, we were dead in our trespasses and in our sins. Notice two. I mentioned this last week. This is not black helicopter conspiracy theories. This is the reality of the word of God. Before we knew Jesus, when we were dead, we walked according to the course of this world. What does that mean? We were marching to the beat of a drummer we may not have even realized and just doing what everybody else was doing, living like everybody else is living. And behind the scenes, there's a little old devil that's orchestrating the world that we live in. Don't mean to freak you out. Don't need to get me to get Frank Peretti on you. But it's the truth. The Word of God tells us. Everybody was just doing their thing. We were dead. According to the prince of the power of the air. Somebody's pulling all the levers behind the scenes. So a lot of this stuff that's going on in our world, Church of the Living God, we should not be surprised by. Don't freak out. Don't worry. Just an enemy that's at work in our world. The spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. That's what's at work in our world today. Among whom also we all. Go ahead and look at the neighbor on the other side, and that means you too. We all did. Everybody. Everybody in the world. Everybody is just, you know, like, you know, the walking dead. Everybody's just, you know, walking according to the, the prince of the power of the air, spirit that's in the world. We all had our conversation in time past. In the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind. We're just partying down, having a good time, doing our thing. And we're by nature the children of wrath, even as others. Listen, without Jesus Christ, you and I are in great big trouble. I know everybody wants to say, I'm a Christian, I'm a Christian, I'm a Christian. I believe in God, I believe in God. So does the devil, big deal. Says we all, we, we were in trouble. By nature, the children of wrath, even as others, we were children of wrath, we were in trouble with God, we were facing the wrath of God. Christian churches don't preach about it enough anymore, but folks, there is a real heaven and there is a real hell. And every single human being on the face of the planet is going one of two places. 
everybody is going to go to heaven or they're going to go to hell. And both of those places are forever and they are eternal and there is no purgatory and there is no halfway house and you can't die wrong and end up right with God and then somebody pay enough money to get you out of a halfway house so that you can go to heaven. The way you die is the way you lie. It's the way it is. That's a big deal. You know what I'm convinced this morning? And I'm not going to have you stand too long. Unless you misbehave. You know, there's a lot of people that are so deceived that don't recognize that there's a real heaven, there's a real hell. And you know what? There's a lot of people in our world that have absolutely zero appreciation for God in their life. And you know why? You know what they need? They need to be dangled over hell for about 60 seconds. And that's I say, oh, thank God that I'm still breathing. Thank God I still got hope. Thank God that I don't have to go there forever and ever and ever. There's going to be people that are, that are there right now that would switch places with you in the flash of a dash in a moment right now if they could be here right now to have a chance and an opportunity to affect their eternal destiny. They would say, thank God I'm breathing today. Thank God I've got a choice today. The Bible says that they were children of wrath as others. Everybody say, that's the bad news. It's bad news, bad news. That's the way we were. But I've got good news this morning. But God. Mm, had to tell you the bad news before you get the good news. Most people don't appreciate the good news because they don't know the bad news. But God, who is rich in mercy. What a God. For his great love, wherewith he loved us. Even when we were dead in sins, when we didn't deserve it, he loved us. Are you hearing me this morning? When you didn't deserve it, he loved you. When you were no good, when you were rotten, when you were a sinner, when you didn't merit the goodness of God in your life. It's not because of how good you were that God loves you. It's because of how good that he is that he loves you. When you were unlovable, undeserving, and it should not have come to you, God said, it's not because you're good I'm going to love you. God says, it's because I'm good I'm going to love you. Mm. There's great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ. Am I ever going to get to my message here this morning? This is, I'm sorry hath quickened us together with Christ, by grace you are saved. Oh, the grace of God. That's why we're preaching about it. By grace you are saved. Not because you're good, you're hot stuff, you're awesome, you're super Christian, you're wonderful, you're all this and you're all that, or I'm all that. No, 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 that's, that's not. It's by grace. It's his grace we are saved. And hath raised us up together, made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Thank God for the church. Thank God we're raised up. We're sitting together in heavenly places. We're with the church. We're with the body of Christ. We're sitting together. That in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. Not of works, lest any man should boast. None of us say, I'm so good. I've done so good. I got, you know, I'm super Christian. I'm a wonderful, awesome guy. That's why I'm saved today. No, it's not of works. We got nothing we can brag about other than how good God's been and how Jesus saved me. Jesus put my life together. Jesus, help me. 
we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. Jesus, touch us through the word of God today. Holy Ghost, talk to us. May the word of God flow and function and help us today. Thank you for this people. I love this people. These are your people. These are the people you care deeply for. Every person here today, talk to us, I pray. Help us, God. I can't say a thing that makes sense without you. Help me, Jesus. Help this people. Help us together. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you this morning. I want to preach this morning for a little while um, in tandem on the grace of God. And I want to talk specifically this morning about God's work in you. God's work. God is at work. But what I want to talk specifically about this morning is God's work in you. Can you say that with me? God is working in me. Now, whether you realize it or not, whether you recognize it or not, because of his goodness, he's working in you. As a matter of fact, he's working in you right now. That's really super duper good news. God is working in you right now. We talked last week about the fact that, that we are saved by grace. That when we're drowning, when we're helpless, when we're hopeless, when there's no way out, no ability, no capacity, no way that we could, we could get out of the mess that we were in. We were drowning. If, if everybody and anybody in this world is honest enough to really communicate the human condition, they recognize the fact that, you know what, we're all in trouble. We're all in a raging wild ocean and we're all in one sense or another drowning and we need somebody to help us. We talked last week about the fact that, you know, there's some people that may say, well, yeah, preacher, you don't know. I'm a good swimmer. I can swim. And you may be. You may do good for a little while, but you know what? The best of swimmers that I know, if you look at some of the greatest disasters, maritime disasters in human history, the best of swimmers when their ship went down in the middle of the ocean, the best of swimmers, you know what they found themselves? They found themselves drowning when the massive 30, 40, 50-foot waves rolled over the head, their head. The best of swimmers recognized, I can't save myself. I'm in over my head. But the good news is when we were drowning, God didn't just leave us there drowning. He didn't just leave us there to go under and to perish. But we've got a good God that entered into the fray and said, you're not necessarily worth it, but I love you anyway. And I'm going to cast into your life the hope that you need, the help that you need, the strength that you need. You're drowning and you're helpless. But God, who is rich in mercy, wherewith his great love, wherewith he loved us, he reached out to us and he cast into our life the kind of help that we needed. Love lifted me. The song says, when nothing else would help. It was love that lifted me. I thank God today for the grace of God. I thank God understanding the fact, I, guess what? I didn't deserve it. I didn't deserve grace in my life. I didn't deserve mercy in my life. But the good news is God is better than my bad. God's stronger than my weakness. He's holier than my sin. 
You would think a holy God would just turn his blushed cheeks away from us and say, I'll have nothing to do with them. But God is so good that he engages in the human condition and he doesn't leave us in our helpless, hopeless state. He reaches his reaching down, hand down into our present circumstance and situation and says, I'm not going to leave you there to perish. God says, because I'm a good God and I see good for your life. You say, Pastor, what kind of insanity do you call that? You say, what kind of craziness is that? Let me tell you what kind of craziness that is. That's craziness that's called grace of God. To us, it makes no sense. Because the Bible says for a righteous man, some of us may die. You know, somebody that we really like. I mean, are you willing to lay your life down? You willing to put your neck on the chopping block? Well, you know, if I really, I do that for my kids. I do that for my kids. I love my kids. I do that for somebody that's good, but for somebody that's bad, I, man, scarcely will a man lay down his life for someone that's good. But God is so good that he laid his life down and hung and bled on the cross of Calvary, not because I deserved it and not because you deserved it, but to demonstrate his goodness and his love, uh, that he loved us uh, when we were undeserving. What do you call that? You call that grace. You know why people come to church? And I tell you, this to me really, I think it determines and illustrates at, 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 at uh, minimum and declares at minimum somebody's understanding of God's goodness. Because when I understand how good God's been to me, I can't sit there like a bump on a pickle. I've got to worship God. I've got to thank God. I've got to thank God when I recognize how good he's been to me. When I think of the goodness of Jesus and all he's done for me, my soul cries hallelujah. Thank God for saving me. Put those hands together. Let's worship God for a little while here today. Holy Ghost, talk to us, O oh God, today. Talk to us, O oh God, today in Jesus' name. Oh, hallelujah. Well, I've gotten back into, I hope I don't dull you with my stories. I've gotten back into woodworking here as of recent. It's not a new hobby. It's an old hobby. And over the years, years ago, you got this little lathe thing, and I, made, I got into making me some pens a while back. And they're pretty good, if I do say so myself. They're pretty nice little, little deals. And as of recent, I've gotten into making bowls. I got this lathe machine here. But you know where it all starts out at? It starts out in this just great big chunk of wood. This is a chunk of wood, John Latarte, that was destined for the burn pile. This chunk of wood, whether you recognize it or not, I mean, it's pretty rough looking. It's a, it's a piece of heavy, this is a very heavy piece. It's my unusual strength that allows me to hold it. <laughs> it's, it's a rough hewn piece of just chunk of old wood. And this wood was destined for the burn pile. You know where it was going to end up? That piece of wood was going to end up in the, in the wood stove. And most of you at least need to thank God for that because you're in a warm church here this morning. Thank you, Mike Trivet. Thank you, Mike. Appreciate you filling the wood stove. Fill the wood stove with nothing more than a chunk of wood, and this, this chunk of wood just gets burned up and incinerated. 
But you know what you can do with this chunk of wood? You can take this chunk of wood and you can put it on a bandsaw and you can, you know, draw a circle here and you can cut yourself out a little blank. This blank is, I don't know, five or six inches in diameter. It's maybe about four inches thick. And you can mount it onto this machine called a lathe. Now, things can get really dangerous here. This lathe, when you plug it in, spins at up to 1,000 RPMs. And as it spins, we got these wood tools that you can put on a tool rest and just kind of get to chopping away at this. And as that happens, chunks of wood start flying, and they keep flying, and you pull out sanders, and you get to working on this wood. You're not catching what I'm throwing. You will, though. You start working on this wood. It's a little bit of a painful process. But it beats the alternative of the wood stove. And if you let the process take place and, and the wood goes, ow, ooch, ow, sharp, ooh, ouch, chunks are flying. Man, what's happening to my life? I'm spinning around and around and around and around. I don't know which end is up. 1,000 RPMs. You ever felt that way before? <laughs> I'm so proud of this. Is it okay? I mean, is it okay? I'm so proud of this. This is a chunk of cedar. This was a block of cedar. And now it's a bowl. Don't ask me that. I don't know. Red cedar, I guess. This was, you've never heard of this maybe, this was hackberry. There's nothing more than just a chunk of wood. Now it's a functional piece. It's an art piece. It has purpose to its existence. This is the one I'm most proud of. Some of you may recognize, John would recognize this. You know what that is, John? That's oak. See all the grain in there? Man, it's just... Man, I love wood. I got to admit, I love wood. But you know what? This was destined for the burn pile. Until someone reached down and said... No, that's not going into the burn pile. There's a process that this piece of wood that's gonna, is going to go through. And that process is going to reveal a product. And that product is going to be something beautiful. It's going to be something functional. It's going to have a purpose for its existence. It may become a pen. That's what that is right there. But God said, good news for all of us. We were destined for the burn pile. But God said, I'm not going to let you incinerate. I'm not going to let you burn. I'm not going to let you go to hell. I'm not going to let you spend an eternity in a place like that. He said, I'm reaching for you. We were destined for a burn pile, but God said, I've got something better for your life. I want to pick you up and pull you out of that, but some of you got to recognize what that involves is a little bit of process. You may be spinning one direction, spinning another direction. You may not feel like what end is up. You're like, ouch, oh, this living for God stuff. Let me tell you something about living for God. Living for God is not a panacea. 
It's not just a feel-good pill. I thank God when you get the Holy Ghost, you feel good. Praise God. Hallelujah. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Yeah, it feels good to get the Holy Ghost. It feels good to have the blessing of God in your life. But let me tell you what. Living for God is more than just feeling good because there's going to be seasons in life. This is the full disclosure part. This is the fine print that sometimes living for God is going to be painful. Brother Job, talk to us. Sometimes living for God's going to be painful, but listen, the process is going to be worth the finished product because when God gets done working on me and he gets done working on you, there's going to be something beautiful in its place. There's going to be something wonderful that God creates out of our lives because God's project, listen, is not wood. God's project is people. God's work is people. He cares about people. God loves you. I want you to know that God loves you. God loves you enough that he'll involve himself in your life. He'll get down in the muck, in the mire. He'll get down into the dirty. He'll get down where we live. Thank God he's willing to do that. He's, he's so holy that our dirty doesn't make him holy, unholy. He's so good that our bad doesn't make him bad. He's so good that his good makes our bad good. He's so holy that he makes our unholy holy. And he doesn't become unholy in the process. Come on, I'm talking about God here this morning. He's touched with the feelings of our infirmities. Tempted at all points like as we are, yet without sin. We've got a high priest that comes down into the mire of the human condition. And it doesn't make him bad. It makes him better. He says, I'm picking you up off that wood pile. I'm going to make something out of your life. And he says, I, I, my work, God says, is people. You know what God's work in the world is? It's you and it's me. God's work is people. I want to remind somebody here this morning that Jesus loves you. He is not against you. He is for you. He is so for you that he came from heaven to earth. He is so for you that he took on a body so that he could die on a cross and bleed. He's so for you that he poured out the Holy Ghost. He's so for you that he gave the word of God. He's so for you that he gave you the gift of his church. He's so for you that he said, I've got a future for you. He's so for you that no matter what's been against you, he said, I'm for you. I'm going to help you. I'm going to build you. I'm going to make you. I'm make something out of your life that you couldn't be on your own that's how good God is that's how good God is God's work is people you are God's work my project is to make a bowl out of a chunk of wood God's project is to make a saint out of a sinner <laughs> God's project is to make wonderful people out of lost people all right Ephesians 2 and 10 I better hasten Watch what it says, Ephesians 2 and 10. We are his workmanship. We are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. The word workmanship in this verse, Ephesians 2 and 10, we are his workmanship, come, comes from the Greek word poema, P-O-I-E-M-A. It comes from the Greek word poema. Does that sound like something familiar? Poem, we are God's workmanship, poema, we are God's poem. 
We are God's work of art. And so some people interpret that to say we are God's poem, which I believe it's definitely saying that. But even beyond being God's poem, what it's saying here is that we are God's work of art. We are God's works of art. You and I are God's masterpiece. What is it that God wants to show off to the world? I'm a little excited about my pens. Forgive me. I'm a little excited about my bowl, man. I made this. You know what God brags about? You know what God gets excited about? Hey, this is my people. You should have seen them when they were just a chunk and a block of wood. You should have seen them when they were destined for the burn pile. But God said, I pulled them up off the burn pile and look at them now. They're living for me. Look at them now. They're not on drugs anymore. Look at them now. Their marriage is good. Look at them now. They got their sanity back. Look at them now. They're not going to prison. Look at them now. Look at their life now. God says, here's my masterpiece. Here's my poem. Here's my work of art. You want to see God's work of art? It's the church of the living God that he's filled with his spirit and baptized in his name. His workmanship is people. Oh, I wish I had time. If I had time, I'd show you a picture of Paul Tribbett before. And look at him now. Bib overalls and loving Jesus. If I had time, I'd show you Tim Dot. Long-haired hippie, trouble in his life over and over, addicted, alcoholic. But look at him now. Look at what God's done in his life. If I had time, I'd show you Linda Pope Joy singing in the bars. Linda Lou. She ain't singing in the bars no more. She's singing in the church. She's singing for Jesus. And God goes, here's my poem. Here's my masterpiece. Here's my masterwork. If I had time, I'd show you a before and after picture of J.P. Dravelin. I'd show you a picture of old Christy Caverly now Dravelin. Show you a picture of what she used to be. But oh, look at them now. They're living above sin. They're living in victory. Oh, Jesus. Come on, they're above it. They're rising above things. You know why? Because you want to know what God's masterpiece is? God's masterpiece is people. And there's this operational force that's working in all of our lives right now. And I want to remind you of that God is working in you right now. That God is authoring inside of you right now. That right now as we sit under the sound of my voice in this church on a Sunday morning, there is an operational energy that is in our life that is called... Grace. Grace is working in me. Even when you can't see it, he's working. Even when you can't feel it, he's working. I know he'll never stop working. Come on, well, I don't see God working. Man, pastor, if you know the kind of hell and tumult I'm going through right now, man, I'm hurting so bad, I'm bleeding all over the place. If you really knew, are you telling me, even when I can't see it, he's working. Even when I can't feel it, he's working. When I can't see it, he's still working. There's this operational force in our lives. Listen to the word of God that is called grace. Grace. 
that is working in you right now. Pastor, I don't feel the, the, the goosebumps this morning. I don't feel the goosebumps. I don't know. Is God still working? When you can't see it, he's working. You say, man, I look around, it doesn't look like he's working. When you can't see him working, he's still working. Come on. When I can't see it and I don't know and I'm wondering, is God working? You can know. There's this force in your life. Mm, that's why I love this topic. So I'm so glad God led us into this to talk about it. It's grace. It's grace. It's grace. Grace is working in me. You know why you're in church here this morning? You say, oh, my husband made me come here this morning. My wife made me come here this morning. My mama and my daddy made me come here this morning. Somebody invited me. I felt like I had to be. You know why you're here this morning? Oh, you're here this morning because God's working on you. God's working on you. God's working on you right now. Come on, God's working in you. He's working in you as we speak right now. You say, I, man, I don't know what's going on in my life. I don't know. If there's anything good in your life, you got to know God's working on you. It's not accident. Come on. We don't believe in accidents. We believe in providence. It's not an accident. It's the hand of the Lord. You were baptized in the name of Jesus Christ and filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost evidence by speaking in other tongues. You are now God's property and you need to thank your God for that. There is other of you that have not been baptized yet and you know what? You're on your way. As a matter of fact, we've got at least one I know tonight going to be baptized in Jesus' name. Thank God for that. Thank God for the blood of the Lamb. There are more. Dave, I got a text yesterday from Dave Laddiff. There's another one on her way, my understanding. I'm telling you what, and God reaches out and says, and throws us the rope, and we grab a hold of it with all that we got. We say, thank God. I'm doing things I've never done before. I've got victory like I've never had before. It's a struggle sometimes, and it's hard sometimes. But you know what? I'm going where I've never been. You know why? Because there's this, there's this thing. It's called the grace of God. You're floating when you were drowning before. Doesn't mean the waves aren't trying to come up over your head. But at least now, man, you're above the angry waves. You're making it. You know what it is? It's called the grace of God. It's called the grace of God. And we who are wise in the things of God, you know what we do? We get a death grip on it. I ain't letting this thing go. <laughs> For you that are tempted to, to leave the church and go back into the world, let me counsel with you. Don't lose your ever-loving mind. The devil lies to you and says, man, it was better in the world. It's better in the world. Better in the, no, it's never better in the world. You're going through trouble, I tell you what you need. It's better to have God with your trouble than to be on your own in the angry waves and in the sea. It's better at least you got some hope. I'm hanging on to my hope. I'm hanging on to my grace. Oh, I don't know how I'm going to make it, but I'm hanging on to grace. I need, what's that mean? Define, pastor. What do you talk grace? What does that mean? That means I need God in my life. I need God in my life. I admit it. I freely admit it. I gladly admit it. 
I can't do anything of value in my life. I need God in my life. I need God to help me. I'm hanging on to this thing. Listen, you better hang on to the things of God, the word of God, the spirit of God, the church, with everything you got. Because listen, honey, baby, I know where you came from. You ever let go of this thing, man, you're in trouble. Let me tell you one thing I know about the church is a lot of times, I, I met with a Lutheran pastor and a Lutheran council about two or three months ago, and the, and, and the guy asked me a question. He wasn't really sarcastic. I think it was a sincere question. I met with the, with the council. We're sitting there, we're talking, and he said, uh, so are you the people that you guys, you, you guys talk in tongues? You guys talk in tongues? I looked at the Lutheran group there, good people, doing the best they can, what they have, probably. I said, yes, we speak in tongues. You better believe we speak in tongues. Because what you don't get, sir, is the people that come into our church, this is their last resort. They've been to jail. They've been to prison. They've been living in cars. They've been addicted. They, they've been messed up, mixed up, screwed up, no hope. They don't know where. I said, I said, man, we can't do it without the power of God. We can't do it without the power of God. We're never going to be one of those cute little churches. We're going to be blood, guts, and fire. That means intensity of prayer. That means we worship. That means we pray. That means we preach. Because we know we can't do this some, through some stupid religious exercise. We're coming from too far away. We've been too mixed up and messed up by sin. And sin has taken us too far away. We've got to have God. Mm. We can't have a form of godliness and deny the power thereof. We'll never be one of those kind of churches. We're a church. We know how far God's brought us from, and we know to sustain where we're at. We've got to have God working in our life, and we are God-dependent. We are grace-dependent. We've got to have him working in our life. That's grace. Oh, Jesus. Be a seven part series. Okay, say God's working on me. Can you say that with me? God is working on me. He's working on me. So, how does God work on me? Class? How does God work on me? You remember last week? Come on up here. Help me out. Taking good notes there. Awesome. He's going to be God this morning. Grace. Grace reaches into our life. And what does grace do? Grace gives us Acts 2.38. That's a good draw. <laughs> I mean, who'd have known? Who'd have known? See, this is what's kind of wild because... For too long, others have kind of buttonholed this message of grace. Pastor, are you a Pentecostal preacher? You're preaching about grace? Duh. Uh, duh. It's an apostolic message. Acts 2.38, repent and be baptized, every one of you, Arlena, in the name of Jesus for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. You know what that message is? That is the grace of God. 
This is grace. Grace is a gift. Read Titus 2 and, or 3 and 5. Not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but by his mercy he saved us by the washing of regeneration. Wait, 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 wait. By the washing of regeneration. Palagenesis. It means a new genesis, a new beginning. The washing of a new beginning and the renewing of the Holy Ghost. See, that's water baptism. That's Holy Ghost infilling. That's not a work of human flesh. Are you stinking kidding me? Not by works which we have done. Man, when I get baptized in Jesus' name, that's not my work. That's his work. Acts 2.38 is a gift of grace. And I take that into my heart. This is a heart. This is a heart. I take that into my heart and I say Acts 2.38. Oh, that's, that's the message Peter preached. Thank you, Jesus, for the grace of God. Thank you that I came into a Pentecostal church that preached Acts 2.38 just like the apostle Peter did. Oh, I got I to gotta move. I got to move. I got to move. Okay. Grace says, guess what? Grace says, you're accepted. Come on. You've been rejected everywhere else in your life, but grace says, I'm taking that into my heart right here. I'm putting that in my heart. I've been accepted. Grace says, I found a place where I fit in. Oh, yes. Grace says, here, I got a gift for you. Guess what the gift is? I'm going to love you. I love you. Grace, God says, I don't hate you. Listen, God doesn't hate you. God doesn't hate you. He loves you. He loves you. Grace says, God says, here's a gift for you. I love you. You know what? I, I don't know about you, but I want to put that in my heart. I got grace in my heart. Oh, friendship. I got friendship. I got friend, real friends like I never had. These are the friends that are friends when I don't have stuff. You know, Glenn Miller, I remember old Glenn Miller, he said, you know what, Glenn said, Glenn said, man, as long as I had drugs, I had friends. As long as I had drugs, he said, man, they came and they went, my little trailer there, I always had friends. As long as I had a free flow of drugs, I had friends. He said, but man, when I didn't have drugs anymore, my friends disappeared. You know what, those aren't friends. Those aren't real friends. When your friends disappear, when you don't got drugs to give them anymore, they're not really friends. But I'll tell you what God says. God said, I got a, I got a gift for you. I'm going to give you the body of Christ. They're going to be loyal. They're going to love you. They're going to help you. That's why I love looking around our altars and there's people that are supporting people and praying for them and loving them. You know what that is? You can say, thank God for the grace of God. Thank God that God's grace gives me friendship. Oh, I got friendship in my life. Oh, hallelujah. God's grace gives you a job. I work really hard. I pull myself up by my own bootstraps. Anything I get, I get by what I do. Oh, yeah. And all of a sudden, God goes, bloop. One little alteration. We'll see how big and bad you are. No, we who are God's people recognize the job that I have is a gift from God. And I thank you, God. I got a job. I got a job now. I'm making a good living. My heart is full. Oh, this is a good one. This is really good. I got sanity. <laughs> I know some of you. I know some of you. Without Jesus, you put an I-N in front of there. But man, I'm thinking right, man. God, look at it. I got in my heart the grace of God. I got I, in my heart, yes. Oh, here's another good one. Oh, oh, I got sobriety in my life now. I got sobriety. I got sobriety. 
What are you saying? What I'm saying is, this is the message. The message is the grace of God. C-H-A-R-I-S, charis. That's what the grace of God means. It literally means gift. Charis, grace means gift. And gift, the gift of grace literally means, God says, I'm giving you a gift. This is called grace. I'm giving you sobriety in your life. I'm giving you sobriety. You can be clean. And you take this and you put it inside of your heart. What are you saying? We, we're, we're sober today. Not because, Sean, because we went through some kind of 10-step program. We're sober not just because we went to Northland Recovery. We're sober because God has given us a gift. It's called grace. Jesus, I'm trying to work this subject. It's called grace. It's important for us to recognize it. What's your message today, Pastor? I'm saying, you know how we're living and we're breathing and we're getting by and life is working for us? It's the grace of God. It's because of Him. It's because of Him. It's not because of me. It's not because of you. It's not because we're great, big, wonderful people. You know, we're Christians. We're Christians. We're really good people. We, we've got really strong morals. And, you know, we make a lot of good decisions. And so thank me for what me did. No, sir. I thank him for what he has done. It is the grace of God. It is by grace that I stand today. Anything I am is all because of grace. It's all because of grace. God's given me a gift in my life. He's given me a gift in my life. It's called grace. The reason why I'm, I'm above water now, it's because of grace. Let's go quick. Philippians 2.13. I want to give you some word, okay? I want to give you some word. Get this deep in your heart. May we be a grace-dependent church. We need God. What does grace mean? I need God. I need God in my life. Can you say that? I need God. I need God God in my life. I need God. Okay, watch. Philippians 2.13. I'm going to read this in an alternate translation. I'm going to read this in uh, the Amplified. Watch what it says. Ah, this is so good. For it is God. But he say God. It is God. It is God. Okay, not you. Point your finger. Say, no, no, not, not here. No, it's not me. You think it is. We all go through that phase where we're, I'm going to, I'm just a going to, I'm a going to, I'm a going to. And all of a sudden you realize, like, I'm not going <laughs> to. Get all puffed up. I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a going to do this, and I'm going to do that. And all of a sudden you realize, I ain't going to do squat. No, not you, not me. It is God. Oh, watch the scripture. Which worketh in you. God's working in you. It's God which worketh, in, worketh, E-T-H, that means he's continually working. Right now, he's in you. God worketh in you both to will. Everybody say, I want to. It is God that works in you to will. It's God that's in you that gives you the want to. Before Jesus, I didn't have the want to. I didn't want to come to church. Are you nuts? No, who wants to go to church? I don't want to go to church. I didn't want to live for God. I didn't want to, want to stop smoking dope. I didn't want to stop drinking and partying. I didn't want to stop rocking and rolling. I didn't want to stop being a crazy man. I didn't want to. I don't want to. And all of a sudden, grace intervened. And I go, I want to go to church. I want to live holy. 
I want to live for God. Matter of fact, I want to be a preacher. I want to do God's will. I want to do what God wants to do in my life. I want to pray. I want to have the Holy Ghost. I want to live for God. I want to go to heaven. Where'd that come from? To will and to do. You know what that means? To do. That means to have the power. Have the power. Okay, let's be honest here this morning. How many of you before used to say, I'm going to clean my life up. Yep, I'm going to do better. I'm going to do better. I'm, I'm, going to, I'm going to do better. And you said, I'm going to do better. I'm going to do better. And you did for a day. For a day. I'm going to do better. I'm going to do better. Yep, I'm going to, do, I'm going to be good. I'm going to be good. And you did it for like 26 hours. And then you're doing bad. Huh? Right? Let's all just be honest here. This church is a good place to be honest before God, right? But all of a sudden, the Bible says, it's God which worketh in you both to will. I want to now. I want to. I want to live right. I want to live holy. I want to do God's will. I want, I want to have a family. I want to, be, to, to have something in my life of value. I, I want to. I want to. And all of a sudden now, and to do now, I got the power. I got the power. I got the power. Now you got the power. You got the power. Now you want to, and now you got the power. And 26 hours go by, and you're still sober. You know why? Because God said, God said, that's why this message is so important. My grace is sufficient for you. I'll give you what you don't have. God said, you don't have it. And guess what? The sooner you recognize that, the better you're going to be. That's why it's not of works. You don't have it. But God said, I'll tell you what, I'll give it to you. I'll give you grace. I'll give you power. I'll give you what you need in your life. I'll, I'll give you what you don't have. I'll give you the power. Okay? Read the scripture, Pastor. I'm trying, trying. To will and to do of his good pleasure. Verse 13, not in your own strength. For it is God who is all the while effectually at work in you. Notice energizing and creating in you the power and desire both to will and to work for his good pleasure and satisfaction and delight. God said, I'm giving you grace. I'm going to get inside of you and I'm going to energize you. Energize you. This is a blower. Okay? Without fuel, this blower, ready? Nothing. But you know what? If you put some fuel in that blower, this blower will do great things. If it's got fuel. Okay, that doesn't work for you. All right. I have never in my life ever drank one of these, ever. Just, they're good. They're good. All of a sudden, you're like, so tired, so tired. Bing, let's go, let's go, let's go. Life's good, let's go, let's go, let's work, let's work, let's do it, let's go. That don't work. I'm so tired, I'm tired. Good work. Are you terrible? 
How's life, Dad? How's it going? I hate life. <laughs> How's it going? Great, good. How's life? Wonderful, great, wonderful, good. How you doing? Great, awesome. Let's go, let's go, let's go. You know what it's called? This is called grace. This is called grace. It's called grace. Because the Bible says that when you got grace in your life, it's energizing. Energizing and creating in you the power that you need to do God's will. Okay. Older generation, it's coffee. Some of are like, I go, man, I don't go nowhere without my coffee. I got a six-gallon jug with an IV connected to the main vein in my arm. Yeah. Energy. I don't. Isn't it funny how pious one generation can be against another generation? Energy drink. I would never think of it as they carry around their 10-gallon bucket of <laughs> highly caffeinated coffee. Every generation has got its own, his own foibles. What are you saying? I'm saying grace. It's grace. CEV, God is working in you to make you willing and able to obey him. NLT, God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. God is working in you. What is it? It's an inside job. Grace is an inside job. God's working in you. God's inside of your life. He's working in you. It's an inside job. It's not external working internal. It's internal working external. God's in you. He's recognized you. I want you to recognize this morning that it is God's great work that is in you. And more important, it is God that's in you. And I want to cooperate rely upon need desperately the grace of God in my life I got to have the grace of God in my life got to have it I can't do it any other way I got to have his help this world is in the rat race there may be some of you here this morning that are in the rat race what is the rat race it's the racetrack the racetrack what's that it's pride self-sufficiency human will by itself it's comparison it's ego it's bragging it's look at what i've done man look at what i have created look at what i have done it's the racetrack it's the racetrack oh look at me 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 let me show you my trophies let me let me let me show you what i've done with my life friend the racetrack doesn't work I'm just going to do such and such. I tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to do this. I tell you what. I'm just, I'm just going to get married. That's what I'm going to do. I'm, I'm just going to build a business. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to get jacked. I'm going to get ripped. I'm, I'm going to look like Hercules in a human form. I'm going to get rich. I'm, I'm going to have fun. I, I tell you what I'm going to do. The human condition is frustrated because they're trying and trying. And it just isn't working and James says James 4 and 13 go to now ye that say today or tomorrow we will go into such a city and continue there a year and we'll buy and sell and we'll get gain tell you what we're going to do we're going to go to a city and we're going to open up a new business enterprise and it's going to be awesome and, 
hey, we're going we're gonna to make fortune 100. We're, we're going we're gonna to do this. And, and he said, dude, you don't even know on the morrow. What's your life? It's a vapor. It's here. It's gone. Come on. You're all that biggest stuff, really. It's a vapor. It's here. And then it vanishes away. It's gone. I mean, come on, man. Let's all get real about this. Can we get real here this morning? Can we really get real? I'm going to do this, and I'm going to do that. I'm going to huff and puff, and I'm going to make a great big life, and I'm going to do all this. And he's like, come on, man. You're here, and you're gone. Your life is just a little wisp of smoke. It's here, and it's gone. You ought to say, James says, if the Lord will, we shall live and do this or that. For now you rejoice in your boastings, all such rejoicing is evil. He said, you ought to say, if the Lord will. Not say, I tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. I think we ought to resurrect an old, old saying. Some of the old timers will remember. Lord willing, and the creek don't rise. Lord willing. Lord willing, we're going to do this. Oh, Jesus, please, please help us. Lord willing, we're going to do this. If God helps us, we'll do this. Lord willing, if, if the Lord wills, this is what we're going to do. If God helps us, we're going to build a business. If the Lord wills, I'll start a new career. If the Lord wills, if the Lord wills, I'm going to have a good family. If the Lord wills, then, 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 then all this stuff is going to work out. If God wills, if God wills, we're going to have revival. Come on, church. If God wills, this is going to happen. If the Lord helps, helps us, Lord willing. God helps us, Lord willing. Do you get it? That's called being grace dependent. It's what this life is literally, this living for God stuff is literally all about. It's not an amplified sense of self-sufficiency. I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. No, if God helps me, I need God's help. I can't do it without him. Jeremiah 10, 23, O Lord, I know that the way of man is not in himself. It is not in man that walketh to direct his steps. I can't even hardly put one foot in front of the other sometimes. Who do I think I am? I'm just going to do, no, no, it's not in me. I need God to help me. Psalm 34 and 4, I sought the Lord and he heard me and delivered me from all of my fears. I didn't deliver me from my fears. It wasn't, you know, that I got the right counsel or, or that I saw or took the right little pill. And No, 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 no. Uh, God helped me. I sought the Lord. I sought the Lord and he heard me. Thank God. And, and he delivered me. I can't do it, but God can do it. I'm at a loss, but he's never at a loss. I'm getting off the racetrack. I'm getting out of the rat race. I'm getting off the racetrack. Well, pastor, what track you going to get on? I'm getting off the racetrack. I'm getting on the grace track. I'm getting on the grace track. That's the track I'm going to run on. I'm running on the grace track. If God will help me, if the Lord will help me, I'm going to seek after God. And I'm at an impassable situation, but I've got a God in my life. I've got a God in my life. I need God in my life. I need God helping me with this. I need God to do this for me. Because I can't do it for me. I need God. Grace dependent. Watch this one. Philippians 4.13. I can do all things. Some of us need to start saying that. 
That's not cocky, self-sufficient arrogance. Notice, though, the qualifier. I can do all things through Christ. That's grace. That's grace. Devil's whispering so many ears. You can't do it. You're never going to make it. You're never going to. You're never going to get over this. You're never going to make it. You're never, you're never, never going to rise above this present situation in your life. You need to say, I can through Christ. What does that mean? I'm hanging on. I'll freely admit it. I'll let the whole world know. The sooner that we figure this out, folks, the better that we are. That without God, we're all a mess. Come on, really? On our best day. But I need God in my life. I'm holding on to his unchanging hand. I'm holding on to the grace of God. Jesus saved me. And and you know what, Christian church? Jesus saved me. We say that, don't we? I got saved back in 1987. I got saved. Can I tell you something? Brother Tim Schultz, I didn't just get saved in 1987. Ron, I'm still getting saved today. You don't get saved once. Oh, we got to work on that theology. You don't just get saved once. You don't get saved once. I've been serving God 33 years. And you know what? I've got saved. And then I got saved again. And then I got saved again. And God saved me from this situation. And he saved me from this situation. And guess what? I'm in the ocean and I'm floating And I'm still being saved. I'm in the process of being saved right now. Grace is at work in my life. And he's still saving me. 33 years later, I'm still being saved. God's not done saved. You don't get saved once. And you're always saved. It's not in the Bible. God doesn't go like, oh, here it is. Best of luck to you now. It's all good from here on out. Come next week. If, you don't, if, if you're not, I don't have time to preach a whole message on that. Come next week, we'll talk about it. Where does the free will of man and the sovereignty of God work together? They're not contrasting. They're not competing. They're working together. By grace are you saved through faith. Through faith. Through faith. It's just simple. My faith is I've grabbed onto this thing and I'm not letting go for a million bucks. Jesus keeps on saving me. He's saving me. He's saving me. He's saving me. Is Dawn here this morning? She get called into work. You doing good back there, Dawn? So Dawn called me this week. Don't worry, she's going to like the attention. I think. So Dawn calls me this week and she says, Pastor, I'm mad at God. (laughs) About 6 o'clock in the morning, she went off the road into a ditch. $3,500 in damage to her car. She said, I'm mad at God. Just to warn you, if you want sympathy from me and you start with that statement, you're not going to get sympathy. Um... Because it kind of riled me up a little bit because I'm like, God doesn't need me to defend him, but that's why I felt like. I felt like, you know, God's a good God and he needs defending. I mean, he really doesn't. But I said, she said, I'm mad at God. I went into a ditch. 
I said, Dawn, you're mad at God? I said, God drive your car into a ditch? God grab the wheel, throw the wheel, and throw you into a ditch? God? I said, no, it was your maybe bad driving skills. Maybe? <laughs> I'm in trouble. I'm in so much trouble. It's only because it's Dawn. I knew she wouldn't mind me telling on, telling on her. Did God drive your car into a ditch? Did God drive your car? I don't. I said, as a matter of fact, do you ever think, Dawn, maybe God allowed you to get on that road just a little bit early so it didn't happen at 10 o'clock in the morning when there was full traffic and you spun out of control and your car flipped in 76 different directions and you totaled and broke your neck? I'm evangelistically speaking a little bit. I didn't say all that. I was thinking it. One thing you got to know about preachers, they're thinking a lot that they don't say. It's a good thing they don't say all of what they're thinking. <laughs> I did. What, do you say? what is the point? What, is, what are you saying, Pastor? I'm saying, listen, God didn't drive your car into a ditch, but you ought to say, thank God. It could have been so much worse. Thank God I got insurance. It's going to get taken care of. If it wasn't for the grace of God, where would I be right now? You say, man, I'm going through a bad season. What would it be like without God? I'm saying grace is at work in our life and his grace is sufficient. And when I don't know what to do, I've got something that is enough. It's sufficient. It's the grace of God in my life. I don't know how I'm going to do it, but his grace is sufficient. It's sufficient. It's enough. It'll carry me. It'll help me because Jesus is saving me daily. He's saving me daily. My last scripture and I'm done. Here it is. First Corinthians 15, 9. Paul said, I am the least of the apostles that I'm not meet to be called an apostle. Good posture. That's a good posture. I'm an apostle. I'm a pastor. I'm an apostle. I'm a man of God. Numero uno. Big man on campus. No. He said, guess what? I'm the least of all the apostles. I'm not even worthy to be called an apostle. You know what? I was a dirtbag before I served God. I persecuted the church of God. Man, I made a mess of this thing. Ah, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. But Jesus was good to me. But Jesus was, I'm not even worthy to be called an apostle. Man, I messed up so bad in my life. But I, by the grace of God, I am what I am. Everything that I am today, it's by the grace of God. Something's working in me. Watch and his grace, which was bestowed upon me, was not in vain. I didn't ignore it. I didn't go, oh, grace, who needs it? I'm all good. I got, I got it covered, God. I got it on my own. No. He said it wasn't in vain. He said, no, the grace of God was, was, was bestowed upon me was not in vain. He said, God, when you gave me that grace, I took good care of that grace. It wasn't in vain. Yet I labored more abundantly than they all. Get it? He starts out, I'm a dirtbag, not worthy to be an apostle. It's the grace of God I am what I am. The grace bestowed upon me was not in vain, yet I labored more abundantly than they all. Now it sounds like he's bragging. I worked harder than everybody else. He's not bragging. I labored more abundantly than they all. I did more for God than all those other apostles. I wasn't even worthy to be called one, but I'm doing more than all the other. Yet not I, but the grace of God which was with me. Paul said, everything I'm doing for God it's God's grace. 
everything that I've accomplished for God. It's God's grace. Yeah, I'm doing more than everybody else. But guess what? It's not me. It's the grace of God that worketh in me. Music come. I'm done. Okay? So you're purring down the road, right? You're, you're just cruising down the road. You're in your car. You're in your car. You're just cruising down the road. You're just driving down the road. Everything's just great, man. You're just trucking along. Getting to where you need to go, and you're just purring down the road. Everything's going great. I'm just going from point A to point B. I do this every day. I get in my car, and I go from where I am to where I'm going. Put it in a drive, put it in the park. Just driving along every day. It's just my car, man, my car. Every time I get in. Kessler's aren't here this morning, but they'd appreciate this. Man, I got me a Nissan Altima. You want to buy a good car? Listen to your pastor. You buy yourself a Nissan Altima. You get 31 miles to the gallon. I've not had a single problem with that car. That car's amazing. 31 miles to the gallon. Got 160,000 miles on it. My tires, I got 82,000 miles on my tires. It's the grace of God. And I just get in that car, push a little button, it starts up. Boom. And I just, man, I'm after church. I'm going to get in my car. Boom. I'm just going to go home, and it's just going to be there. This afternoon, if I can sneak a little nap, I'll sneak a little five-minute nap. I'll get back in my car, hit that little button. I'm going to come. I'm going to come right back to church. Boom. There it is. There he is, driving his car. Dawn, my car, <laughs> by the grace of God, is going to stay on the road. And the whole time that my car is running, do you realize how many miracles are taking place for that crazy thing to run? I got pistons in there. There's gas going into a cylinder. There's a spark plug going. Do you know that your, your, your car is nothing more than a thousand timed explosions? Pushing a cylinder down. Another cylinder goes down. Cylinders are firing, man. Spark going. All these combustible materials in your... I mean, heat's building up. You just get in your car. I'm just going so and so. All these explosions are taking place. And there's this little ingredient in there. You know what it's called? It's called... If you're from down south, it's called Earl. Earl. You got oil that's in there. You know what that oil does? Never thought I'd feel so emotional about a car. That oil is lubricating that engine. It's bathing that engine. It's keeping it cool. It's making sure that metal is not grinding against metal. It's making sure that thing doesn't just burn up. You ever blown up a car before? I have. It's not a pretty sight. I had a car, I threw three rods out of the engine block, three holes I could stick my finger into the engine block. You know what came out of the bottom of that engine block? Earl. Because that whole time you're running around in your car, you don't even recognize it. You don't even think about it. There's oil that's bathing that engine. And it's making everything work. 
getting from point A to point B and it's working and you don't even recognize I'll tell you what we ought to do that's why you should do an oil change you should treat your car right thank God I don't even think about it every day but my car it just works it just works every day it's just working what are you saying pastor I'm saying come on out. it's working my life's working it's working it's working it's working you know what you need to say that right there it's the grace of God my marriage is going well unbelievable man We've worked through some, so many problems. Man, my marriage is going well. You're not going to believe it, man. I had a bumpy road living for God, getting over some of the situations in my life, but, but I, f- I feel like I'm past it right now. You hearing what I'm saying here today? God's helped me. I went through some rocky times in life, but I'm standing by the grace of God. By the grace of God. It's the grace of God. That's keeping me. Let's lift our hands to God today. Can we begin to thank Him this morning? Jesus.